You're tuned into More Living with Jim Brogan, broadcast live from the Brogan Financial Studios at News Talk 98.7, where old-fashioned values, expert knowledge, and genuine understanding come together to give you the retirement straight talk you deserve. Jim's a former National Advisor of the Year recipient and a financial educator, and he's here today to talk about how you can live out the best years of your life. Jim and the Brogan Financial Team have been helping retirees and pre-retirees across the Southeast for over 20 years in their pursuit of financial independence. You can reach them during the week at 865-862-6800. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn, because more living with Jim Brogan starts now. Happy Saturday, East Tennessee. Welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI, and you know, with summer right around the corner, that exciting trip you've always dreamt about might be on your mind, or you might be looking forward to spending time with your kids, your grandkids while they're home from school. The summer is a time for connecting with friends, family, and loved ones not to mention enjoying the beautiful weather. Getting ready for this summer may also make you consider what I would call that endless summer in the future, retirement. Just like planning for a trip, planning for retirement entails figuring out how you'll spend your time and how much you'll need to spend to enjoy the lifestyle that you desire. So whether you plan to go on a vacation to a beach, go on a hike, start a new hobby, or even purchase a vacation home, your retirement plan plays a crucial role in affording you that endless summer that you've dreamt of. So in today's show, we'll discuss some strategies for achieving the retirement lifestyle that you desire. So here's what we'll cover in today's show. We're going to talk about important ages before and after retirement that you'd need to be aware of, strategies to create income in retirement. You know, when you, once you retire, it's no longer about how much you have. It's about how much, or excuse me, how you take what you have and convert that into stable, increasing income in retirement. We'll talk about tax optimization strategies. You know, it's not how much you make, it's how much you get to keep. We've got a real window of opportunity right now today in this, what is actually from a federal income tax perspective is a low income tax environment. And then we'll also talk about how to protect your money from adverse market conditions, but still get the kind of long-term growth that you need. Now, you can also check us out at broganfinancial.com. If you'll click on resources, we're always posting resources so that you can become more informed to be able to make prudent decisions that can impact the quality of your life. So let's dive in. When should you retire? Chances are you're not going to wake up one morning and know the exact day and time that you retire. It's usually a process that you have to kind of figure out. There's a general time in your life that may be right for you to retire, but it's hard to pick the exact age and date to officially enter retirement. So let, let's first discuss important ages and birthdays to consider when choosing a time to retire. So one is age 50. 
And the reason age 50 is important is because that's when the IRS allows you to make extra contributions to your retirement account. They call them catch-up contributions. And retirement accounts, IRAs, 401ks, 403bs, also Roth options, are typically the best way to build wealth and to build financial independence because of the tax benefits of building and growing monies in those accounts. Now, there, because of those tax benefits, there are restrictions, and the main thing is access prior to age 59 and a half. Um, you know, you have to be careful in order to not get hit with tax penalties. But those are the best places. Every scenario I've ever run, those are the best places to accumulate wealth. And at age 50, you're allowed these catch-up contributions. So for an IRA or a Roth IRA, you can put in an extra $1,000 a year. So instead of 6000 you can do 7000 on a retirement account, like a 401k or a 403b, you can now do an extra 6500 So instead of 20500 of your own dollars that can go in, for example, a 401k, you can now do 27000 And that's significant. If you're self-employed and you're doing some sort of something like a solo 401k, uh, if you're a single owner or single employee, um, or if you're uh, if you own a company and you do some sort of a profit sharing plan, you can go up to, I think it's sixty-seven thousand, sixty-eight thousand, somewhere up in that range. I don't have the exact note in front of me, but basically you get this extra sixty-five hundred dollars, and that is substantial. So if you've waited, especially if, well, I would say especially if you've waited to be saving and you, you know, you hit 50 years old, you know, this is a time where you can really catch up. Now, for you young people out there, I would tell you the sooner you can get started, the better. You know, it it should, instead of, if you get started early, especially really right out of college when you get your first job. But the earlier you start, the better. And if you insta- instead of saying, how much can you afford to put in your 401k? If instead you say, here's how much I'm going to put in my 401k. And then work your living budget around whatever's left. That is a far better habit to get into. Because saving, paying yourself, becomes one of the most important things. You pay the IRS, you have to pay your taxes, you pay yourself, saving in the 401k, and then you live on what's left. So when you get started early, you have the ability to do that. And a good rule of thumb is you really want to save, if you can, at least 10% of your income. I would say up to 25%. If you're wanting to retire early, you young people, and you want to be financially independent at an earlier age than most, if you're saving 20-25%, you're going to to probably get there a lot quicker than most of your peers. Even saving 10%, you'll get there faster than peers. But if you really want to, or maybe better yet, but put you financially independent at your age, you do things on your terms, which is out of the gate, and then just live on what's left. But that age 50 is critical. 
as you all get closer to retirement. Now, 59 and a half is the age at which you're able to withdraw from your IRA or other retirement account penalty-free. Now, there is income tax because you haven't paid any of the income tax on most, if not all, of the money in your IRAs and 401ks and other retirement accounts, everything except for Roth. It's just there's no 10% penalty once you hit 59 and a half. So that's also an age to be very, very aware of. It's also an age, if you're, con if you're in a private company plan and you're in a 401k, I guess the best way to explain that is if you're in a 401k as opposed to a 403b, then most 401k plans also will allow you to take greater control of your investments inside the 401k because usually at 59 and a half, they'll let you roll a portion, if not all, of your 401k into an IRA. You know, think about it. How many investment options do you have in your 401k? 10, 12, maybe 15 if it's robust. Yet in, a, in, a, in the right kind of an IRA, you know, in a no-load brokerage account, no-load means no commission for anybody when things are bought and sold, then you can buy almost anything you want. And, and there's no load, no commission. So those are just better platforms as a rule. You also have a better ability to control costs of your investments. You know, when you buy funds, mutual funds and ETFs, there are investment costs related to the funds that you pick. And if you have 15 choices in a 401k as opposed to thousands on thousands of choices in an IRA, you have a lot better opportunity to manage those costs and then ultimately manage your returns. Now, 62 is the age at which you're eligible to claim Social Security benefits. But if you draw at 62, there's an income, an earned income test. If you make more than about $20,000 of earned income, you really don't want to draw Social Security early, more than likely. Because, there's a, and then because of the second thing, there's a reduction in your benefit. But when you plan when to retire... It's important to know what your access is. Yeah, it's a good idea to delay your Social Security benefit, but only if you can afford to delay that Social Security benefit. You know, if you retire and you need income and you delay your Social Security benefit and you have to draw from your life savings, well, if you don't have a large pot of life savings then and you end up eating up most of your savings while you're delaying your Social Security benefit, that's no good either if you get to 67 or to 70 and then you don't have much money in, in investments for flexibility and future lifestyle needs, inflation protection, those kinds of things. Now then, of course, full retirement age for Social Security is between 66 and 67, if you're not there already. When you would get your full benefit at that point, you could still be working and draw your benefit. And then, of course, age 70 is the latest you would put off your Social Security benefit. Now, the other age then is 72. That's when the IRS makes you start taking distributions from your IRAs, 401ks, and other retirement accounts. So these are very, very important ages. We have, and, and they can go a long way in helping you determine when you want to retire. Uh, we have a birthday guide at our website. If you go to broganfinancial.com and click on resources, scroll down, we have a birthday guide about important birthdays as you age, gives you a little bit more detail, and it is a complimentary download. So go to my website, broganfinancial.com.
supplementary guide to important birthdays as you age. Now, when we come back, we're going to talk about strategies to create income in retirement. How do you structure income? As I said in the first when we launched the show, it's not about how much you have anymore. It's about how you take what you have and generate stable, increasing income. So when, we'll, when we come back, we'll talk about how can you create stable income in a very volatile stock market and not depend on the short-term volatility of the stock market to be able to retire on your terms. So stay with us. This is More Living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Welcome back to More Living, right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. I'm your host, Jim Brogan. We're with you every Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. and again from 3 to 4 p.m. You can also catch all of our shows. We podcast them on our website, broganfinancial.com. Click on radio. You can also go to YouTube and catch all of our podcasts. Just type in Brogan Financial. Let's talk about creating retirement income. You know, there are so many unique income strategies out there to choose from, and many of you may be wondering, what's the best way to structure income? So it's important to know those options and how to structure income. So let's start with the most common sources of income. You know, once you transition into retirement, you're going to have to start drawing from your life savings. And two big issues come into play there. One which investment should you draw from? Should you go to the bank and draw money there? Should you draw money out of your investment account or your 401k or IRA? If it's in your IRA or 401k or investment account, how is it invested? Which investment specifically do you draw from? And then the second question is, how are you taxed on that withdrawal? Now, I'll get into taxes in the next segment. Let's, let's focus on the investment side. The, the most common approach to retirement income is that I see uh, people coming into my office that I hear out there in the marketplace is what I call a total return approach to income. In other words, you kind of take all of your investments across the board and you draw from them in retirement. So if you're going to draw, let's say, let's say three, three and a half percent per year, let's use numbers. Let's say you've got a million dollar portfolio just to keep around numbers and to supplement any other retirement income, you need $35,000 a year of income. So that's a three and a half percent distribution rate. So then you would just draw across all of your investments. And then the, the idea would be you can make more than three and a half percent on your investments over time, and you need to because you need that income to increase. If it's 35000 in year one that you need to supplement income, in year two you're going to need more because of that bad inflation word that is becoming all too familiar with us in today's market. So that's kind of how we think about things. Okay, so you might think, well, you know, to really have a successful plan, you need to average 5 or 6% a year over time 
you know, in order to support that 3.5% distribution rate and adjust for inflation. The problem is, if with a total return approach, is what do you do when the markets are sharply down? It's easy to say you ought to be able to average 5 to 6% a year over the next 10 years. But what are you going to do in the next one year or the next two or three years? See, the shorter the period of time we're looking at, the more variable your return can be. If you said, Jim, where's the stock market going to be one year from today? It could be anywhere from up 30% to down 40 to 50%. I mean, it could be more than that. It's the stock market. You could always have surprises. But typically, in a one-year window, it could be up 30% or down 40 or 50 which, by the way, 40% downturn is the average bear market since 1900, and that happens about every eight years. So just so you know those numbers. So see, that's a huge variable, down 50 versus up 30, and everything in between. Now, if you go out five years, you can predict that re the return, the variation of the return becomes a lot narrower. You're likely not to lose in a diversified investment plan. You're not likely to be down. You're not going to be down 50% in five years. Now you could be down 25%. You're not. You're also not going to be up 30% per year. You know, we're talking about annualized returns here. You're not going to be down 50% per year. You're not going to be up 30% per year. Your range of outcomes is going to become a lot tighter. And when you go out 10 or even better yet, 15 years, that range becomes very tight. You know, over a 15-year period, you're not going to be up 20% per year, but you're also not likely to be down 10, even 10% per year or 5% per year. We could argue over a 15- to 20-year period, you're not likely to be down at all. So your, your predictability of your return becomes much greater. The, the problem is, in retirement, if you're drawing across all of your investments and the markets are sharply down, and you're down 20 or 25% when that happens, you're kind of stuck in a pickle. Because drawing money while it's significantly down is maybe the number one risk most of you will say, face in retirement. You just can't do it. One of the, the real secrets of wealth management is don't spend an investment loss. In other words, don't have to sell something off when it's sharply down and then spend it for income. You know, it's okay to sell something when it's down and reinvest it, but you don't ever want to sell it when it's down and spend it. Because you'll compound your losses and that money will never come back because you've spent the money. Well, in the short term, if you're living across all of your, off of all your investments with a total return approach, you don't have a choice. Now, you could reduce your lifestyle. You could do that. You could say, I'm going to buckle up, and I'm not going to really have lifestyle right now. I'm just going to cover my needs. Because, you know, in retirement, you're going to have your, your, your needs and expenses, and then you're going to have your lifestyle on top of that. Your lifestyle is more discretionary. You could say, I'll just cut back there or eliminate lifestyle for a year or two. But is that really what you want to do? Do you want to cut back on lifestyle when the stock market goes sharply down or if it goes down in the first four or five years of retirement? I mean, I don't want you to have to do that. And the reality is, I believe you can have an income plan that you don't have to cut back. You don't, what, what if it, it's sharply down a year before you retire? You may have decided, Jim, I'm going to retire a year from now. 
But then the market goes sharply down. I don't know if it will or not. In the short term, we have no idea. But if it goes sharply down, you may feel like, Jim, i got to work another three or four years. Well, now you're not in control of your retirement date. The stock market is. So you can have a plan, an income plan, to largely mitigate the short-term impact of stock market volatility. And it's what I call a bucketed approach to, to income where you structure different investments based on when you'll need to draw from those investments. You know, if you're going to need income a year from now, you say, Jim, I'm retiring in a year, and you need income a year from now, the money you would draw in income a year from now should not be in the stock market at all. Because we don't know where the market will be in a year. As I said, it could be up 30% or down 50. And you don't want to spend a loss. So instead, you have that money in something that's guaranteed or very stable, more predictable. And one of the keys to me is you really need six or seven years worth of retirement income in stable holdings, more stable holdings, that you're not dependent on the stock market in that first six or seven years of retirement. You kind of set it in a different bucket. That's why I call it a bucket approach. Technically, we would call it a pooled approach to income. We're pooling money in different places from an investment perspective because we need to fund income over the next six or seven years and not be dependent on the stock market. But the, the, the reality is inflation's a real problem, right? And so those stable holdings are probably not going to beat inflation. The best way to beat inflation long-term is the stock market. Historically, over the long term, Many of you have asked in the last couple of months, Jim, what's the best way to beat inflation in investing? It's the stock market over a long period of time. The problem is that short-term variability and unpredictability. So instead, we take our stock market investing and we kind of put it in a different pool for the longer term. Now, six or seven years is the minimum. Um, the, the sooner you'll need income from your risk investment, investments in the market, the sooner you'll need that money, the less aggressive you can be. Can I just be in the S&P 500 if I need to draw from that money in six or seven years? I don't think you should. I think that could be a recipe for disaster. So instead, you need a more balanced and diversified approach to your money because if we have deep losses in a bear market, it, it could take a long time to recover from those and you may not grow your money. But the bottom line is, a pooled approach to income can largely mitigate the effect of short-term market volatility. And there's research that has supported this, by the way. This is not my opinion. Um, one, of the, one of the better research pieces was done by Wade Fowle at the American College and Michael Kitsis, a leading blogger in the financial services industry. They talk about the negative equity glide path. I don't want to get too detailed about that, but they actually studied that. And uh, an approach that's not dependent on the stock market in the early years of retirement for income improves your likelihood of long-term success. Now, the other thing I want to mention about income is there's no one plan that fits everybody. There's no simple solution or piece of advice that applies to every single person. I'll tell you this. There's also no magic product. There's no magic bullet. That can just be the be-all, end-all. So if, if you're talking to someone and they're talking about some great product and they've got 50 or 60 or 70% of their money in that product, that would, that would raise huge red flags to me. 
different investment options. What's a product? A mutual fund, a stock, an annuity, a variable annuity, an indexed annuity, um, a bond, uh, a real estate trust, a REIT. You know, those are investment products or in insurance products if it's, if it's an annuity with an insurance company. So there's no magic bullet. Different options have different purposes in a financial plan and in a retirement plan. And so you should be using a lot of different things. And what's good for your neighbor may be the worst thing you could be doing. Everybody needs a personalized plan just for them. Now, that's what we do at Brogan Financial. Uh, just plug into all of our resources online. You can go to broganfinancial.com, click on resources. You can also click on radio and hear all our blogs. There's also an option to sign up for a complimentary consultation if you'd like to do that. My next college class, University of Tennessee, Income Planning for Retirement. It's on this very topic. It's on August the 30th. If you go to my website, go to broganfinancial.com and click on classes. It's on August the 30th. It's just a one-night, two-hour class at Pellissippi. I'm sorry, I may have said that wrong. It's at Pellissippi State Community College in Hardin Valley, August the 30th. You can call, or you can call Pellissippi at 539-7167. Again, that's August the 30th. Go to my website, broganfinancial.com, and click on classes, and we'll really dive into things like structuring income. What should your budget be? How do you determine your budget? What about Social Security election with income? What about tax planning? We'll talk about all of those things. Now, when we come back, we're going we're gonna to get into tax planning. Are taxes eroding your retirement income and how much? So stay with us. This is, news, this is More Living with Jim Brogan, only on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. This is More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. We're with you every Saturday here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI at 9 a.m. and again at 3 p.m. you can also catch our podcast online. We're usually up by Tuesday afternoon for the previous Saturday. All of our shows are on there and our dollars and six segments and the retirement minutes that I run every week on this show, on this station. Go to more, go to broganfinancial.com and click on radio. Are taxes eroding your retirement income? It's all too common to forget about tax planning in retirement. You know, you may assume you'll have a smaller tax burden once you no longer get a paycheck. But that's not necessarily the case, especially once you take once you turn 72 years old and have to take minimum distributions, taxable distributions from your IRAs, 401k's and other retirement accounts. So if you're looking to optimize retire, retirement income, then you should be looking to minimize your tax burden. So let's dive into that. First off, there's this tremendous sweet spot between retirement age and age 62 and, and age 72. Because at, at, once you retire, you no longer have earned income. And then if you're not 72 yet, you don't have those taxable minimum distributions from your retirement accounts. 
So now if all of your money is in a 401k or IRA or most of your money and you need income, then you don't have any choice but to draw it out and be taxed. But if you have money both inside retirement accounts and money that is not inside retirement accounts, you have an opportunity to structure income that is much more tax efficient. You can either draw income that is not taxable at all or that is taxable at a much lower proportion than either earned income or IRA 401k withdrawals. So you have more control of your taxes in this sweet spot in retirement than at any other time in your life. Because you choose where to pull your income from and how it's taxed, and you choose how to invest your money and how your investment gains are taxed. That's a tremendous amount of control. You also have control over your Social Security election until you're 70. And Social Security income is, is money that does show up on your tax return. Now, it's not necessarily taxed. We have a means test for Social Security benefit taxation. The more you make, the more you potentially, the more tax you have to pay on your Social Security income. But no matter how much you make in retirement, at least 15% of it is income tax-free under today's law. If you manage your taxable income appropriately, you could structure it where none of your Social Security income is taxable in that sweet spot of, reti of early retirement. But that is a calculated measured decision. So again, you're in tremendous control of your taxation. And when you select that Social Security benefit, those numbers are going to show up on the tax return. Whether they're all, whether it's taxed at, you know, whether 50% of it's taxed or 85% of it's taxed or some other number is going to depend on all of the other numbers on your income tax return, including the Social Security number. So if you delay it, it's not showing up at all. And so you have the ability to keep those numbers low. So again, you just have more control over your income taxes in retirement, especially in that sweet spot. Now, for those of you who are over age 72, you likely still have a great bit of control of your income taxes. And if we look at tax rates today, number one, they are going up. We have a guaranteed tax increase in 2026. We're going back to the old rule from 2017 prior to the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. So our income tax brackets are going up uh, for all joint filers and for most individual filers in 2026. If I look at income taxes now as opposed to our history, federal income taxes, we are in a low era of taxation as compared to history since 1986. So really for 36 years, we've been in a low era of taxation we have the highest debt, federal debt, as a percentage of GDP, debt as a percentage of the economy than we've ever had, even higher than after World War II. So how likely is it that income taxes go up even more in the future? Maybe not this year, maybe not next year. We don't know the political makeup of Washington in the next few years, but longer term, I think it's highly likely income taxes are going to go up even more than they already are in 2026. So let's, let, let's kind of bring that full circle. 
you have more control of your taxes in the early years of retirement, and tax rates are lower now than they'll be in the future. So maybe that provides a great opportunity. Well, there's no maybe about it. Maybe in the sense that it may not be a good idea for everybody listening today, but it definitely provides an opportunity to consider tax planning. So what would that mean? That would mean maybe incurring, keeping your taxable income low so that you can do additional tax planning where maybe you pay some more tax today. Let me rephrase that. You pay tax on more of your income today so that you don't pay as much tax tomorrow, meaning 10, 15, 20 years from now. You need to worry about income taxes 15 years from now. You really do. So a couple of ways to do that, one would be Roth conversion, where you take some of that IRA money and you convert it to a Roth. And you pay the tax now. You take 50000 you convert it to Roth, you pay fit tax on 50000 But if you're in a 12% or 22% tax bracket, not a huge tax cost compared to what your tax taxable income and bracket may be when you're past 72 and taking those minimum distributions. You know, that first few years, it's around 4%. So just do the math on that. If you've got a million-dollar IRA, you're going to have to take out about 40000 It's a little less than 4% the first two or three years, and then it goes up over 4%. But that's a good way you can get your mind around that. That is forced taxable income. Now, you can also do a Roth conversion after you're in the year you're 72. However... You, ha you cannot convert your required minimum distribution to a Roth, and you cannot do a Roth IRA conversion until you have taken out your entire required minimum distribution for the year. And that's an important point. I have several pe people come into my office every year that are over 72 that are doing what are actually impermissible Roth conversion. In other words, maybe they're taking systematic I income from their IRA in order to satisfy their RMD over a whole year. So if they have to take out, let's say, $36,000, they're taking $3,000 a month. And then in the summer or early fall, they're doing a Roth conversion. That is not a permissible IRS transaction because you'll be doing the Roth conversion prior to taking out the entire RMD. So that's a critical rule to understand, and, you, and I see it misapplied all the time, even by tax professionals and by investment firms that don't understand that rule. So be sure you're doing it right. But even if you're over 72, I mean, I have a client that's pretty high net worth, and she's single, and her taxable income after 72, she's now over 72 years old, and her taxable income's putting her up in the 35% tax bracket. The thing is, her tax bracket in a few years is going to go to 39.5%, and what's the risk that it could go a good bit higher for the type of income she's making? if Congress enacts tax increases sometime in the next 5 or 10 or 15 years, which I think is pretty likely. So we're doing Roth conversion with her to fill up that 35% tax bracket because the reality is that tax bracket is lower than it'll be in come 2026 at a minimum. 
Now, the problem with Roth conversion is can you afford to pay the taxes? And how are you going to pay the taxes? It's better to pay that tax with other money. In other words, you don't want to turn around and take it out of the Roth to pay the tax if you can help it. It waters down the effectiveness. But more importantly than that, can you afford to do the conversion and pay the tax? You know, one of the keys is you don't want to have too much, you know, you don't want to sh your, your life savings to shrink too much in those early years of retirement. So if your tax bill is too high and you're shrinking your savings, I mean, some people can't afford to do a Roth conversion. It may make sense from a tax perspective, but from an income planning perspective, it does not. And then I do want to mention capital gains harvesting, both gains and losses. We help retirees consistently sell and realize long-term capital gains at often a 0% tax rate in the early years of retirement in that sweet spot. And even if it's at 15%, that's a pretty dang good rate compared to other tax rates. So tax planning in, the, in that sweet spot, the years of retirement between age Retirement age and age 72 especially, but even after 72, because the reality is taxes are going up in 2026, and I think they're somewhat likely to go up even more. Now, we're going to get to our last break, and when we come back, what might we expect from markets this summer? Stay tuned. This is More Living with Jim Brogan, only on the News and Talk of East Tennessee, News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Welcome back to More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. We're with you every Saturday, 9 to 10 a.m. and again, 3 to 4 p.m. Check us out online. we got tons of resources there so you can make informed and prudent decisions that can impact the quality of your life in retirement especially. And as you prepare for retirement, go to broganfinancial.com, click on resources. You can also click on radio. We podcast all of our shows. You can also find us on YouTube. What might we expect from markets this summer? You know, we saw record highs in the stock market in 2021. 2022 has turned out to be an entirely different story, at least so far. The market has reacted poorly to the reality of high inflation and the prospect of slower economic growth. And that's what this is. The market is a forward-looking vehicle. The market and the economy are two different things. U.S. businesses and U.S. households through the first three to four months of this year are in outstanding financial fiscal condition, as good as in the last 40 years. The markets are reacting to the impact of inflation and the Fed raising interest rates and looking at what's going to happen to the profitability of U.S. companies and the spending of U.S. households. And there are signs, some pretty good signs, that households are not spending as much now in the last month or two. So what could we be looking at? Many, many investors are fearing a recession amidst this market volatility, high inflation, and changes in Federal Reserve policy. So what are some factors to look out for this summer when it comes to the markets? So first, we have no idea. If there's two things that I'm certain about with the stock market, one is that it is uncertain. It's unpredictable. The other is it's very volatile. 
The one thing I feel most confident about in the, in the remainder of this year, but especially through the next four or five months, is that markets will be choppy. Will they be up or down over that four or five month period of time? I don't know, and neither does anyone else. But the, I do think they're going to be very choppy. Now, if we go back to the income planning part of this, which was our second segment today, we talked about not depending on risk investments in the early years of retirement for income. So what should you be doing? The reality is you shouldn't be selling and going to cash, but you should be looking at the mix of your investments, how much of it is stable, how much of it is at risk, and then how is it at risk? Are you properly diversified? How long has it been since you really look at the diversification in your portfolio? And if you're all in stock and bond mutual funds, how diversified are you really? You know, I can't tell you how often I see a classic 60-40 portfolio. 60% stocks, 40% bonds, typically with mutual funds and ETFs, exchange-traded funds. And that type of a portfolio is typically, if it's just traditional stocks and bonds, which usually it is, it's really not that much. I mean, it, it's diversified in the sense that if any one company goes out of business or goes belly up, it's not going to threaten your portfolio because you're diversified within the stock market category. But you're still largely going up and down with the stock market. When you have more diversification, you have more things in there that if, if the stock market zigs, you've got other stuff that may zag. So if one thing's way down like stocks, hopefully they're not all the way down. So I do encourage you to look at the diversification you have in your portfolio and look at the balance and have you structured your income plan. The Federal Reserve is scheduled to meet in mid-June this year to discuss their projections on GDP, unemployment, and inflation for the next three years. And so, you know, could be more choppiness on the horizon. So how long has it been since you evaluated your portfolio? And have you pulled your investments based on income? and future growth, like I talked about in the, in the second segment, a pooled approach to income. If you haven't or if you're not sure we can help you with that, we're happy to give you a consultation and give you a review of what you're doing. Uh, go to broganfinancial.com. You can sign up for a consultation. Mostly you can check all of our resources and become much, much more informed so you can make prudent decisions. So do check us out. Again, broganfinancial.com. Click on resources. I mentioned earlier in the show we've got our birthday guide that talks about important birthdays as you age and the opportunities it presents in your financial retirement planning. Thank you for tuning in this week. We've discussed your wealth because greater wealth provides for more living so you can live the best years of your life your way. I do hope you have a beautiful weekend. Uh, enjoy the baseball team. Hopefully we're going we're gonna to go ahead and take care of business today and tomorrow and get to the Super Regionals next week. I know if we make it, I'm planning to be there myself. So go Big Orange. In the meantime, get outside, be active, be fit. Thank you for tuning in. This is More Living with Jim Brogan. Thank you to Chris engineering the show and to Jill for helping produce the show. This is More Living with Jim Brogan on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Hello, Wynn Collar.
The views expressed by Jim Brogan and his guests are not that of Cumulus Media. Any discussion of financial, legal, and tax planning strategies is not intended to be individualized advice and is general in nature. Always consult with your advisor for advice specific to your needs. This program's content does not represent a recommendation of any particular security, strategy, or investment by Jim Brogan or Brogan Financial Incorporated.